This episode of Astorium is brought to you by Blueberry. Not the fruit, the podcast hosting service. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Well, now is the time, and Blueberry is what you should be using to host that podcast. Blueberry is the gold standard for podcast hosting and provides accurate stats, your own WordPress website, and an easy-to-use format for you to get your podcast out into the world. And right now, you can get your first month free. That's right, free. All you have to do is go to orbitaljigsaw.com history. That's orbitaljigsaw.com history. And start your journey into podcasting right. NASA astronaut Frank Borman once said, Exploration is really the essence of the human spirit. If this is truly the case, then British explorer Percy Fawcett was a man full of this human spirit. This week's episode is about discovery, survival, and a personal obsession that always seemed just beyond the tree line. I'm Jake Barton. Welcome to Historium, episode 38, The Green Hell. The Amazon River Basin in Central South America has been and remains one of the harshest environments on the planet. Additionally, it was one of the last continents that humans finally migrated to, as tribes of early humans spread across the globe thousands of years ago. It's full of drowning humidity, difficult terrain, complex diseases, and deadly wildlife. And yet, once there, humans did what they've always done. They survived. And in many cases, such as the Incas, they thrived. Complex civilizations comprising of millions of people built massive communities and stone structures in the jungle. However, the arrival of Europeans in South America also meant the arrival of smallpox, measles, typhus, and influenza. This concoction of diseases that so many natives were not immune to meant that the people of South America were simply decimated. The original, literal definition of the word decimate is the death of 1 in 10 soldiers, or killing 10%. By this definition, pre-Columbian people were decimated 9 times over. With this sudden 90% population drop over such a short period of time, many ancient cities were abandoned and were slowly reclaimed by the jungle. But the stories of these ancient cities remained albeit shrouded in myth. Throughout the 15 and 1600s, Spanish and Portuguese explorers arriving in the New World in search of a quick fortune began hearing stories of a hidden fountain of youth or a lost city of gold. These explorers, with plenty of provisions and armed to the teeth, never managed to find any of those wondrous lost cities. However, they did find mineral deposits and mapped out much of South America. By the late 1800s, these mythical stories of lost wonders in the jungle were eventually regarded as mere fiction. Percy Fawcett was born in 1867 in England. He was a rambunctious youth who couldn't sit still for long. Filled with a seemingly primal kinetic energy, Percy Fawcett did well in sports and eventually joined the military, attending the Royal Military Academy. Upon graduation in 1886, Fawcett was commissioned as a lieutenant of the Royal Artillery. It was around this time that Percy's father, Edward Fawcett, passed away in disgrace. 
he was born into a family fortune, which he used to fund his constant drinking and gambling. And then he married into another family fortune, which he also used to fund his constant drinking and gambling. After squandering two separate family fortunes, the Fawcett name was not exactly distinguished. However, Percy fought hard to redeem the family name. He rose through the ranks of the British military while being stationed across the globe. While serving, he married and had three children. By the turn of the century, Percy Fawcett had become a prominent cartographer and respected member of the Royal Geographical Society. The society was often utilized as a neutral third party that mapped areas yet to be surveyed by cartographers. One such area was the Amazon rainforest in South America. In 1906, Percy Fawcett made his first expedition to South America to map out a portion of the Amazon River Basin. He looked like something out of an adventure novel. A tall, lean man in baggy, tear-resistant pants, high riding boots, and a wide-brimmed Stetson hat. Glacier blue eyes shone over a sharp Van Dyke goatee, equal parts refined Englishman and rugged mountaineer. Percy Fawcett, along with a select few others, began their journey into the Green Abyss. Fawcett braved the jungle, trekking deep into the Amazon basin and mapping out the wilderness. During the day, scarlet macaws flew overhead, while piranhas swam in the water below, seeking out even the slightest hint of blood. The sweat of the explorers did next to nothing in the humid air, while they were bombarded by the scorching sun's rays. The jungle canopy towered overhead, while purple orchids grew on the banks of the flowing river. At night, howler monkey screeches would interrupt the orchestra of cicadas and other insects. The harsh terrain of the rainforest made the explorers miss even the dangers of the river. Despite back-breaking conditions, difficult terrain, and deadly wildlife, Percy Fawcett was hooked. Over the next few years, he split his time between his family in England and jungle expeditions in South America. He was very good at exploring and surveying and adored it, despite all of the difficulties it entailed. He also enjoyed interacting with the variety of tribal cultures that lived deep in the jungle. Most explorers, hearing mostly fictitious stories of cannibal tribes eager to hunt and kill any European they found, elected to avoid any of these native tribes. However, Percy did the exact opposite and spent much of his time in the jungle staying with the local tribes. He was exceptional with negotiation and diplomacy and offered plenty of gifts to each tribe he interacted with. On more than one occasion, Percy would hold his hands in the air while singing, slowly inching closer to tribesmen with bows ready to fire at him. His tactics worked, and due to his patience, he maintained good standing with most of the tribes he encountered. Fawcett was meticulously detailed, writing incredible notes in his journal about what he experienced in the jungle each day. And boy, there are some marvels in these notes. Over the course of his early voyages, Fawcett reported seeing a 62-foot-long anaconda, enormous spiders as large as tortoises, dogs with two noses, monkeys wielding spears, and even a dinosaur-like monster. Naturally, Fawcett was ridiculed by members of the Royal Geographical Society, but he stood by his claims. Every time he returned home to England, he grew restless. He wrote in his journal, quote, Deep down inside me, a tiny voice was calling. 
At first scarcely audible, it persisted until I could no longer ignore it. It was the voice of the wild places, and I knew that it was now part of me forever. Inexplicably, amazingly, I knew I loved that green hell. Its fiendish grasp had captured me, and I wanted to see it again. Unquote. One of the expeditions Fawcett led was a voyage to track the source of the Rio Verde in Brazil. This journey proved particularly brutal. Rushing rapids destroyed one of the boats and half their food along with it. Several men were eaten by piranhas. In the end, half of the expedition died due to disease and starvation. But Fawcett found the source and mapped out the whole river. In addition to leading surveying expeditions into the Amazon basin, Fawcett did extensive research on early explorers and their findings. During his research in the archives of Brazil's National Library, he found a manuscript written by a Portuguese explorer from 1753. In the document, now partly devoured by worms, the explorer mentioned finding the ruins of a great city. The letter, called Manuscript 512, mentioned massive stone arches, hieroglyphs, and a large statue of a man pointing north. The explorer wrote, quote, The ruins well showed the size and grandeur which must have been there, and how populous and opulent it had been in the age when it flourished. Unquote. Manuscript 512, along with various other stories and sources, led Fawcett to believe that there was a massive city, the pinnacle of a long-gone civilization, hidden somewhere in the jungle. It soon became his obsession. He called this lost city Zed, after the final letter of the alphabet. He believed this lost city of Zed lay hidden somewhere in the Mato Grosso region of Brazil. Mato Grosso translates to thick forest, and it was one of the last massive regions of the Amazon that had remained completely unmapped. As Fawcett began planning an expedition to find this lost city, Europe dissolved into what's now referred to as the First World War. Fawcett, who at this point had retired from the military, re-enlisted and sailed from Brazil back to England to serve in the war. Though approaching 50, Percy Fawcett led an artillery brigade in Flanders. He was promoted to lieutenant colonel and earned a distinguished service order in 1917. As he ordered artillery shells to rain down, his thoughts were of the rainforest of Brazil. As soon as the armistice was signed, Fawcett began planning a return trip to the Amazon. After the war, he tried to raise funds for an expedition to find the lost city of Zed, but he met resistance from the new professionals of archaeology. As a new generation of explorers began focusing more and more on archaeology and anthropology, many members of the Royal Geographical Society accused Fawcett of chasing myths and compared the city of Zed to the fool's legend of El Dorado. Percy Fawcett read news of other explorers finding sites such as Machu Picchu and grew anxious. He worried another explorer would find Zed before he could. He sought funding from many investors in England, but no one would back him. In a letter to the Royal Geographical Society, he wrote bitterly, quote, It is of course bound to come out eventually that a modern Columbus was turned down by England. Unquote. So, Fawcett decided to find Zed by himself. He began his solo journey in 1920. After being in the jungle for just a few days, Percy caught a fever 
and his voyage ground to a halt. Sick and delirious, Percy shot his pack animal and abandoned the journey. Four years later, nearly destitute, he looked to the United States, where he began to tap into enthusiasm for what he referred to as his romantic quest. He received backing from various scientific bodies, including the American Geographical Society and the Museum of the American Indian. He also made arrangements with news organizations in India, South Africa, Australia, and the United States, promising to file dispatches in exchange for funding. Even the Royal Geographical Society eventually lent some support. On April 20th, 1925, Percy Fawcett left the city of Cuyaba with his son Jack and his companion Raleigh Rimmel. In addition, they were aided by two Brazilian guides, eight mules, two horses, and a pair of dogs. The expedition was outfitted with state-of-the-art gear, including new guns and flares, with Percy even wielding a custom-made razor-sharp machete. As they ventured through the jungle, Jack struggled to keep up with his father, despite Percy being 57 years old. Percy sent several dispatches back to the various organizations that had helped fund him. Newspapers printed exaggerated stories about the perils of the jungle and the grim fate that could await them, with headlines like, Daring men face cannibals in relic quest. They finally reached Dead Horse Camp, named after the location where Fawcett had shot his pack horse during his failed first expedition. Here, Fawcett told the members of his expedition that they were now entering a completely unmapped region and that the risks would be great. Fawcett deemed it too dangerous for the pack animals, so the Brazilians returned with them back to civilization. Percy Fawcett bid farewell to the Brazilians and gave them a letter to take back to eventually send to his wife. In it, he wrote that he was confident in finding the lost city of Zed and, quote, you need have no fear of any failure, unquote. Percy Fawcett, Jack Fawcett, and Raleigh Rimmel were never seen again. Over the next few years, expeditions by the Royal Geographical Society, Fawcett's family, and many others tried to venture into the region where Percy Fawcett's party had disappeared. All of them failed, with some men even dying during these attempts. From then on, many theories arose about what happened to Percy Fawcett, his son, and Raleigh Rimmel. The leading theory was that they were killed by one of the smaller, more hostile tribes deeper in the region. A few years later, a copper plate with Fawcett's initials on it was found with a local tribe, adding credence to this theory about the explorer's fate. However, it's just as possible that Fawcett traded the copper plate to the tribe on their way deeper into that part of the jungle. Another explorer, Henry Coston, who had accompanied Fawcett on five of his previous expeditions, expressed extreme doubt that Fawcett was killed by a hostile tribe citing Percy's excellent relationship with tribes and the amount of gifts that his party had brought with him. Coston's theory was that the group simply succumbed to starvation, injury, or disease, or most likely a combination of those three. Although that is the prevailing theory today, many people refuse to believe that Fawcett simply died unheroically in the jungle. Some people believe that Fawcett simply elected to live out the rest of his life in the jungle, Many tribes in the Amazon utilize hallucinogenic plants for shamanistic rituals and tribal initiation rites. 
One theory states that Fawcett found a tribe that supplied him with hallucinogenic substances, and they simply remained in the jungle, even founding a commune there. Others believe that Fawcett actually found Zed, and elected to live out the rest of his life there. Before long, the search for Fawcett began to attract a new kind of explorer, spiritualists and occultists. Hundreds of people came to believe that Fawcett, who had some interest in mysticism and the paranormal, had found something strange in the jungle. They cited many of Fawcett's cryptic writings for magazines such as the Occult Review, which he published shortly before he departed on his last adventure. In one essay, Fawcett spoke of his search for, quote, the treasure of the invisible world, unquote. One mystic in the Amazon often said to later explorers, you will never find Zed as long as you look for it in this world. Many occultists believe that Fawcett had discovered that Zed was, in fact, a portal to an alternate reality. In many ways, these mystic seekers represent a sort of endpoint of exploration. Just as the search for gold gave way to the search for scientific knowledge, now the search for scientific knowledge has given way to the search for transcendence. The search for Fawcett continues to this day. A final piece of physical evidence was found in 1979. A wildlife filmmaker traveling in Brazil heard rumors that a ring with Fawcett's family motto had turned up in a local shop. He went there only to find that the shop had closed. However, the wife of the deceased shopkeeper searched through her husband's old things. Sure enough, she found Fawcett's family ring. Etched into it was the Fawcett family motto. Nec aspera terrent. In English, difficulties be damned. The ring was returned to Fawcett's family in England soon after. A member of Fawcett's family, desperate for some sort of clue to his whereabouts or maybe just closure, took the ring to a psychic, who said that the ring at one point had been bathed in blood. Although we've never found Fawcett's remains, he lives on today in many ways. Despite Percy originally being mocked about the strange plants and animals that he saw in the Amazon, many species later discovered proved that he was right. A prime example of this was the dog with two noses. That species is real and is now called the double-nosed Andean tiger hound. Scientists have yet to find any of Fawcett's more outlandish claims, but his notes are frequently cited by cryptozoologists as examples of creatures existing outside the scope of science. Additionally, many of the borders that Fawcett mapped over his lifetime, including the entire border of Brazil and Bolivia, remain exactly how he mapped them to this day. Percy Fawcett also lives on in literature and pop culture. Arthur Conan Doyle, the creator of Sherlock Holmes and a good friend of Fawcett's, wrote adventure novels featuring a character based off of his friend Percy. In fact, Percy Fawcett's look and attire fuel quite a bit of our perceptions of adventurers from that time period due to their frequent appearances in pulp adventure stories from the early 20th century. One of the main inspirations of Indiana Jones was, in fact, Percy Fawcett. Since Percy Fawcett's disappearance, many people have tried to find the lost city of Zed, to no avail. However, nearly a century after Fawcett's disappearance, massive breakthroughs are being made in archaeology due to a drought. Over the past few years, thousands of acres of trees have died, 
With the canopy of these trees now gone in many places, satellite imagery now shows enormous earthworks and remnants of ancient palisades and forts right below the feet of many native tribes. Extensive archaeological efforts are currently underway, and they're discovering new artifacts every day. This lost civilization was called Kuikugu, and it was massive. Research estimates put the population at around 50,000 people. The complex civilization appeared to have had enormous earthworks, massive plazas, stone structures, and a city layout on a grid aligned exactly with the north, south, east, and west of a compass. This complex civilization is almost certainly the lost city of Zed that Percy Fawcett was searching for all those years ago. Fawcett may have simply underestimated the jungle's ability to take back what was taken from it. In the end, Percy Fawcett's lost city of Zed was not right under his nose, but right under his feet the entire time. Historium is written and produced by me, Jake Barton, and is a proud member of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. If you're a fan of Historium, there's a bunch of ways you can help out. One is by following Historium on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on all social media. Um, another is leaving a rating on whatever podcast app you use to listen. And another way is donating on Patreon. I'm currently in the process of trying to make Historium a weekly show without cutting the quality of the research or the length of the episodes. This has proven uh, exceedingly difficult as episodes take a lot of research, a lot of writing, a lot of fact-checking. But if you want to help me in my quest for weekly Historium episodes, then a great way to help would be to donate on Patreon. And lastly, if you're a fan of the show, tell a friend about it. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs>